To reach a balance between carvers and conservation, both aspects of the wood carving trade need to be understood. The story of the carving industry has unfolded over the past three years through a series of research projects supported by the People and Plants Initiative, assisting researchers at the National Museums of Kenya, Kenya Forestry Research Institute, and East African Wildlife Society. 25 meters. These studies are part of an international program to train young researchers and provide a solution to the ironic situation where countries with the highest biodiversity have the fewest trained ecologists and ethnobotanists. All over Africa are skilled craft workers, carvers, basket makers and weavers. Many are in remote rural areas far from retail outlets. Most sell their fine products for a pittance. The Kenyan wood carving industry is an exception. Bound by close ties of extended families, clans and language, the Wakamba men who dominate a major part of the Kenyan wood carving industry not only cut logs from forests and carve them, but through superb business skills have developed and retained export and tourist retail markets. Through this process, Kamba carving cooperatives capture much of the value and most of the jobs generated through their carving skills. The problem is that the favored ebony and mahugu trees are very slow growing. A brachylina or mahugu tree, just 40 centimeters diameter for example, would be 100 years old. As a result, this economic success and growing demand pose a problem for carvers and for conservation. For every carver, no wood means no work. No forests mean no future. The Kenyan wood carving industry faces complex problems, some rooted in the past. A thorough understanding of this history and complexity are necessary to develop long-term solutions. For this reason, the first step in the research program was to record the oral history of the wood-carving trade and the structure and scale of this trade today. Remarkably, this entire industry was started in 1919 by one man, Motusiya Monge, at Wamunyo in Kenya's Machakos district. Today, it is a thriving business involving 60,000 carvers who support an estimated 350,000 people. Mzee James Kayula Makula, who has carved for over 60 years, tells how it all started. Now you usually love my dear Peter. Where Ubundi O Omisha Tanzania Kwa Land Meta Homakon. Tanzanika. I met Homakon. Now we all just a kumana. Every you and what you might say we all wantamabisa ulamutimovingo. Madame Meta Homakon. Now, when yellow key arm on an old way, I I win. Nakia Yelama quite yearly child, Aquinoca. Always a quiz, I know I could kill you for a motor. Only no Egalana, Marky Monaco, my Yuba, my Zobia, Kojanga. 
ye maumi ya tanganyika we o mo ka ko mosi mo mo ki ne me anu we alama ibitanezi na molinge wa mwala ile wa mosao na yule la wo ki ye wa wo ki ambelelia koko na we wa ambelelia ju kwebunza o ko atemanga kibingo kia makonde asu muonie ko na okambelelia kumba ba kwa kemusi yuyu we ambelelia kumba mabitasu na ke mutumiwa ko yale londo we ane wana okiendea na sawe mosia kelana kionye ngeti ya to mabicho to ba una ngeno ka yuwe ba yiro ngi yale na kuitia ngiamuka na wabote ya kuwe ya kwake wano wende yona wea kudwa wazia yupiyo uwe chekweke ya jute tuwa mana kudwa wazia Nairobi na Nyuki na Ikulu Rodoreti Uganda Mombasa na vete wazia Italia ni isute yote na ndiye na meye situ na anda na meye situ ya ndani ya amo na vindu karisha by 1954, the export value of the woodcarving trade was worth £75,000 at 1950s rates and many times more at today's value. In the same year, one of Mutisiye Monge's sons, Muwambetu, had travelled to London to search for new export markets. Today, this has grown into a woodcarving industry which Raymond Obunga has shown has an export value of about £20 million US dollars a year. That's a success story in anyone's terms. Achieving the success is a tribute to the entrepreneurial skills of the Wakamba carvers who traveled thousands of miles, often on foot, through Central, East and even Southern Africa to sell their carvings. The research study on how the woodcarving trade is organized has shown that Kenyan woodcarvers are part of a highly organized industrial process. Many people are involved in producing each carving. Different men cutting logs, producing rough carvings, filing and decorating them. Young carvers serve an apprenticeship of up to two years before they are allowed to join the cooperative. This keeps carving quality high. Wastage of wood is minimized and even wood chips are collected and sold for use as fuel. Profits from the cooperatives are invested in tourist sale outlets and into direct export sales. There's just one twist to the tale. As Mzee Makula points out, the history of the wood carving industry has also been a story of successive over-exploitation of the favored hardwoods. <laughs> For research purposes, it is useful to know the scientific names of wood species as well as their cucumber names. The best way to do this is during field work with wood carvers. 
This is also an opportunity to record the insights that woodcarvers have into the ecology of woodcarving species. The first step is to collect plant specimens. Ideally, these need to be fertile specimens bearing flowers and fruits. Two or three good quality specimens need to be collected so that duplicates can be sent to different herbaria. To prevent the specimens from going mouldy, the papers in the plant press need to be changed regularly. Each specimen needs to be clearly labelled, including information on local names and uses, the colour of the flowers or fruits, the specimen number and name of the person who collected it. Before the specimens are sent off to a herbarium for identification, they need to be properly dry and well packed. This study showed that over 50 species are used for carving, including several introduced species. The next step was to study the impact of the wood carving trade on populations of the four most favoured species. The two most important of these being Ebony, Dalbergia melanoxylon, and Mahuku, Brachylina hulensis. In an ideal situation, researchers would compare harvested populations with those in protected permanent plots. In this case, however, few permanent plots exist and even these have not been fully protected. For this reason, the study selected populations of the top four carving species in places which were heavily harvested in the past and compared these with ecologically similar sites on what is the resource-rich frontier today. 12.8 This is done by measuring the diameter of each tree within plots. This particular species is Dalbagia melanoxylon mpingo. This is one of the most valuable species used for the carving industry. This is the, because of uh, its value in the carving, the species has become quite rare. And this, this is one area, Gonja Forest, where we still have some remnants of this particular species. Tree diameter is usually measured at breast height which to foresters is a standard 1.3 meters. This also applies to forked or sloping trees, but where trees have a buttress, then the point of measurement is taken above 1.3 meters. Because this project studied harvesting impacts, it also was important to measure the basal diameter of each tree stem, so that basal diameters of felled and standing trees could be compared. It is equally important to measure tree populations systematically. This can either be done in randomly selected plots or in a stratified random sample where plots are placed along transect lines. From interviews with woodcarvers, the two researchers knew that a key site was the Karura Forest. <laughs>
Karura Forest, less than a kilometer from the headquarters of Kenya's Forest Department, is one of the places where Raymond of Bunga and Gordon Sigu have been studying the population structure of Mahugu. The sampling intensity required for a statistically significant result depends on the size of the forest area sampled. In this case, 40 randomly located plots were needed. Each of these was 20 meters by 20 meters in size. Measuring each Mahugu tree in these plots shows the population structure of the species in Karura Forest. This study also recorded information not normally collected by foresters. Look at uh, like things like height of cut and the method of cut, whether it was cut by an axe, panga, power saw, or bosso. Find most of the small DBH class Brachylina trees have been cut using pangas, but most of the big trees, they use the power saw. We are also trying to determine the age of cut, and this particular one, although it's difficult to determine the correct age, we estimate the age by the appearance of this stump, and we have categories of aging, and uh, this particular tree could have been cut according to the appearance, more than three years ago. The younger trees of Brachylina are measured in one meter by one meter, and we count the number, and then we measure also the stems and the breadth, uh, the diameter, and this put together gives us the dynamics of regeneration in this particular forest. From the study we've conducted, so far we've found two types of regeneration for Brachylina species. This regeneration from uh, seeds and then regeneration from coppices. And what we found out, the coppices that come out come from uh, mature trees, don't grow to sapling stage. But the ones that come from trees that are slightly younger grow up to maturity. That's why it's important to look at the regeneration both from coppices and uh, from seeds. Wood depletion is not the only problem, however. Carvers focus on the few remaining forests in Kenya, such as the Arubuko Sokoke Forest, which is internationally important for biodiversity conservation. Research by Kialo Solomon has shown that the two wood carving centers at Mombasa and Malindi use about 20,000 Mahugu trees per year, over 9,000 of which are hollow. Working with woodcarvers in the forest, Kiala recorded which animal species lived in 200 hollow mahugu trees they felled. On the basis of the sample, extrapolated to the 20,000 trees cut per year, showed that each year, over 4,000 endangered golden-rumped elephant shrews lose their homes for woodcarvings. This also affects thousands of rare reptiles living in hollow logs. removes many potential owl nesting sites and logs used as shelter by genets. It is obvious that there are problems. The challenge is to do something about them. A key to this is methods of changing people's behavior in terms of which woods are used and sold and to increase tree planting activities. An effective method of influencing carvers is through drama.
This is a way of returning research results, reminding people of the causes of wood shortage, such as how ebony trees have been uprooted, and highlighting solutions, such as innovative carving designs that reduce wastage. The value of business skills in dealing with tourists, and encouraging tree planting of suitable species. What is significant here is that all of the people acting in this drama are from wood carving families. This fact greatly increased the impact and credibility of the drama when it toured Kenyan wood carving centers. Our approach has been to reach wood carvers as well as the tourists, exporters and importers who buy carvings. From an analysis of carving export data, we know that the bulk of Kenyan carvings are exported to the United States, Japan and Europe. A useful way of reaching people who buy carvings is through the use of posters, conveying a positive message on the need for responsible buying. This poster, for example, was developed to encourage people to buy good woods to reduce conservation impacts without carvers losing their livelihood. Coupled to this is the need to distinguish between overexploited wood species and responsibly sourced woods such as neem or mawaru bayini, which produce quality carvings. For this reason, wood anatomists at Kefri use carver's knowledge and scientific methods to develop a step-by-step -step key to carved woods which takes macroscopic and microscopic wood characteristics into account. It is very easy to distinguish between uh, the hardwoods and the softwoods by using the macroscopic structures. And uh, this is because for the hardwoods, most of uh, the features are distinct. You can just have a look at them from uh, by the naked eye, and then you can be able to distinguish that these these are hardwood. And for the softwood, uh, it is not very easy to see some of the the features, the macroscopic features, by the naked eye. So you may have to apply uh, a lens, or uh, you can you, you may have to use a microscope. The result is a key to carved woods which details wood characteristics to enable wood identification. Wood carvers realize there is a problem and that they need to do something about it. An excellent start has been made to link tree nurseries with responsible sourcing and wood exports.
A good example is the Mennonite 10,000 Villages project, which channels 3% of the value of the carvings they export into nurseries at wood carving centers. More importers and exporters should follow this example. The project started because we found that uh, out of, we, we keep on carving, we are going to finish the environment. Nim, we planned it because uh, it is useful, because you can carve it, and also it grows in short period, you can get a carving, and a good carving out of it. Over the past 80 years, Kenyan woodcarvers have surmounted many obstacles in their search for markets to reach their goal of establishing a successful carving industry. At this stage, this industry faces two possible futures. On one hand, greater depletion of wildwood stocks. Many Kenyan woodcarvers are already dependent on thousands of logs exploited in Tanzania and brought across the border by bicycle. The only reason that carvers have settled near Lunga Lunga border posts, for example, is because they are close to Tanzanian wood sources. Expanding wood depletion helps nobody. What has to happen is the second option, a shift from wildwood exploitation to on-farm agroforestry production or plantations. This has to be recognized by importers so that premium prices are paid for sustainably sourced good woods. An international system of good wood certification already applies to timber. If carving wood certification occurs in Kenya, it has important implications for wood carvers elsewhere in Africa, such as Namibia, Zimbabwe and Malawi. The fact that nurseries and tree planting have started in Kenya is a sign that wood carvers could surmount the obstacle of wood shortages. With enough wood, the wooden rhino still has a future. Yeah!